Okay, folks, this is Opposing the Matrix. How are you today? Um, today, I have the esteemed Ralph Epperson. Uh, we're talking with him again today, and we're going to find out right now what Ralph wants to talk about. Ralph, what are we going to discuss today? Well, the first thing I want to bring to your attention, David, because I know you do agree with me mm-hmm. that I look like Tom Selleck. Yeah. I, I got this picture, one mm-hmm. of these. What does it say? One of these three is Tom Selleck. And there's how many people are there? Three. And then I ask the question. Uh, so this is, is okay. One, one of these three is Tom Selleck. Is a wax dummy. Okay, can you find out which one that is? So that's the question of the day right now. Okay, it's it's the guy in the center, I think, right? No, you failed miserably. Let me tell you a story. I okay. once, in a while, once in a while go into a hot springs to get my legs. Uh, uh, I don't know what it does, but it seems to improve my circulation. So I mm-hmm. went to this city. I won't name the city. So I went there, and uh, I, I got there early. And so I was concerned. I wanted to get – I was going to just sit in the pool outside and, and not pay anything. I'm free to sit there. So I just wanted to dangle my legs in the, in the water. So I waited, waited, waited. And I was watching my thermometer because it kept going up. And when I got over 72, I was going to go inside or go go around the front, I guess, and see if I'd go and sit in the pool. So uh, a lady came out and said, why are you doing this? I said, oh, i got to wait till it gets to be over 72. I want it to be warmer than cold. So I went, so she said, come on inside. So she arranged for me to sit in a tub. It's about the size of a double closet, you know, deep. Right. Like, uh, and there's three steps going down. You can sit on step one, two, three, or even on the outside and dangle your feet in the. So that's what I did. Uh-huh. So we're, she's talking, and I are talking there, and uh, just a cordial girl about everything. Your baseball teams and where you wear uh, Arizona hats or whatever, because it's in Arizona. So after that, I got up and dried off and put my boots on and started walking out. And I walked to the door of my room. And there's a little a shuttle, a hallway that leads to the front room, which is where the outside door is. Mm-hmm. So I opened the door and started forward, and there were four, four, four women like this. I'm trying to get through, like the halfback going through the linebackers. <laughs> and I, I, they were all smiling. And I said, oh, my God. So I said, I didn't see anything. They didn't see anything. They didn't see anything. Oh, hey. So I have a, this is my hunch. She called those girls and said, you got to come meet this guy. He looks like Tom Shetland. He's really friendly. So come see him. So there they were, and I got to throw my way through there. <laughs> wow, that's a pretty cool story. <laughs> that's true. Yeah, I believe I, it. I, I, I have to admit I'm putting on the Tom Shetland. I hate oh. to read this again, but we've got to do this every time we meet. This is very important. Okay. I personally visited the website entitled um, Virology Journal, the official publication of Dr. Anthony Fauci's National Institutes on Health, to confirm the context of this article published in August 22, 2005. uh, Chloroquine is the potent inhibitor of SARS uh, coronavirus infection and spread. We go down. Conclusion, chloroquine is effective in preventing the spread of SARS-CoV in the cell cell culture. So HCQ, 
functions as both the cure and the vaccine. The publisher of the first uh, appearance of this article on the Internet offered this observation. Do you understand what that says? Fauci's not lying. When did that happen in 2005? Mm -hmm. That's what, 17 17 years ago. This is rounded. Okay? He knew chloroquine, hydro or hydroxychloroquine was a natural cure. It Uh worked. Right. He talked about it and then forgot about it. And he got a vaccine, which means he could make money. Exactly. This is madness. There it is. It's in his own own words. Yeah. It's a cure and a preventative. Yeah. I think this guy should be charged with, I'm going to say it, murder. Crimes against humanity. You bet. Yeah. This is the answer. Chloroquine. Hydroxychloroquine. It's a cure and a preventative. Right. I agree. So we're just taking care of some incidental things. Uh-huh. And then and then uh, we're going to get into some more. I want to finish with the uh, Kennedy assassination for okay. number one. Okay. Sure. Thomas Jefferson, third president, 1801 through 1809. It is incumbent on every generation to pay its own debts as it goes, a principle which, if acted upon, would save one half of the wars of the world. A letter to Antoine uh, Louis Deschutes de Tracy of December 26, 1820. Do you understand what that says? The reason we have wars is because we have a central bank. Right. And those nations with banks fight against other nations with central banks. Right. So, like like you and I. So, I'm I'm, I'm your, I call you, you, I loan you money, and you're a king and I'm a king. And I said, hey, listen, I found out from King C, he's going to attack you. Now, I would, I would, I'll give you the, borrow money from me, and you can build an army. So you, mm-hmm. you hey, boy, I thanks for the tip. I'll, and then you, I owe money to you. And then I go to back to, and I say, listen, uh, uh, King uh, David is uh, going to attack you, so you better borrow money from me. Play there was no side. reason to do this. It was a fraud. That's what this central bank system does. Mm-hmm. Europe right. has been plagued by nation attacking nation. One nation attacks one, one nation attacks one nation, two nations attack one, and then one attacks another nation. Add infinitum. As long as you got a central bank and the other enemy's got a central bank, you can make money in war. Right. One half of the wars. Yeah, one half. Now, it's amazing. This is a little bit longer to read, but I think it's I think it's appropriate for those socialists who love the system. Listen to this. Okay, and, just the now, yellow, right? Forget the young lady. Come on, I know you're. Good. No, we're <laughs> read what just the yellow, right, Ralph? Yeah, it's just no. Uh, well, okay, I guess so. We save time. Okay, uh, the minimum income tax in Denmark is forty percent. All right, we. Also, we pay taxes, a tax of 25%, and on top of that, the government applies duties and fees. A gallon of gasoline is about $10. Tax on a car is 180%, meaning that the car, I can, let me finish, meaning that the car that sells for about $20,000 in the United States, Honda Accord, to an astonishing $40,000 in Denmark. Wow. Well, uh, we'll, we'll just read the, uh, save the time. 
forget the gist of this. Here. Just read it all? Okay. Denmark is the highest tax nation in the world, tax on an average of 80% on every dollar earned. Danes have the highest personal debt in the, in the world. Uh, few will ever own a car or a house. Anyone who makes over $80,000 annually pays a personal tax of 68%. This means that people with higher earnings have either found ways to evade the tax or have left the country taking their companies with them. Uh, Denmark's suicide rate for the past five years has averaged 20.8% per 100,000 people with the highest rate of 32 the American suicide rate has averaged 11.1 during the last five decades and has never exceeded 12.7. More than 11% of adult Danes, supposedly the happiest people in the world, are on antidepressants. Everyone wants, to be, wants the American dream in Denmark's neo-communist economy. No one will ever own or accomplish anything. That's the future. If Bernie Sanders takes over. Yeah. Now. Right. Biden's getting a pretty good job doing it, too, don't you think? <laughs> What's that? Biden is doing a pretty good job yes, leading us down that road. We're, and he's going now to go out and attack the, the what is it called, something fascist. Yeah. And we're the ones causing all of that crime, crime and the, uh, fires and burning. We're the most. Okay. Here is my copy. We've looked at this before. Communist Manifesto, yep. 100th um, anniversary. One of those two men, the man with the beard on the it's on my Marx side. Marx is on the left and Engels is on the right, yeah. Uh, so he wrote it, 1848. I'm just going to read some of the pertinent quotations. And by the way, uh, you don't have to read the P plus. That's the page number. Okay. okay. All right. Uh, Communist Manifesto by Karl Marx, page one of two. Uh, the theory of the communists may be summed up in a single sentence. Abolition of property. You are horrified to, to you are horrified at your at our intending to do away with private property. You reproach us with intending to do away with your property. Precisely so. That is just what we intend. Number two. Abolition of the family. The family will vanish as a matter of course. Number three, the communists are further reproached with desiring to abolish countries and nationality. Number four, communism abolishes all religion and morality. Does that sound like what's happening in America? Yeah, it sure does. It sure does. Communist Manifesto by Karl Marx, page two of two. Number five, the working class will rest all insurance of production in the hands of the middle class. Number six, the following will be applicable abolition of all right of inheritance. Number seven, equal, li- equal liability to all labor, to all, of all to labor. Excuse me. This is a brief review of some of Marx's ideas for the communists. We talked about this, I think, last week. I just want to bring it up again, because I think this is still the case. Okay. Remember this book? It's there. Uh, oh, yeah, it's the communist. Okay. I, um, the first guidebook to prisons and concentration camps of the Soviet Union by Avraham Shifrin. Yeah. What, what's the difference between a, a, camp and a concentration camp and a prison? 
No, okay, I'm not trying to stop you. Just think yeah. about it. A, a, a prison is when someone uh, breaks a law. I, I, I hit somebody or kill somebody, I go to jail. A right. prison. A concentration camp is intended to take people who don't want to live as communists, and they either convince them or kill them. Mm-hmm. And Mr. Shepard discovered there were Three million. That's how many people there are inside concentration camps. Mm-hmm. So, and by the way, just briefly, this is this is a little review of him himself. I had a pleasure being able to talking to him for at least an hour and a half on the way back from uh, from Phoenix. Well, we met halfway uh, between Phoenix and Tucson because he spoke in Phoenix, and then the next night he's going to speak in Tucson. So I drove up, and the woman in charge of the Phoenix one brought him down to me, and then I took him back to Tucson. Nice. We're getting ready to start. This will be the last one. Okay. All the celebrities of Epstein's flight logs have publicly endorsed Joe Biden. Let that sink in for a second. And that was written by or said by Joshua Feuerstein. Is that true? I imagine it would be, yeah. Now, wait a minute. The judge advocate, judge had something in the Navy, has been given the ability to start prosecuting child abusers and women prostitutes who get abused and also whatever. There's Epstein and everything else. Right. That means there's thousands of Hollywood producers and senators and congressmen who are going to be charged. And right. if I were one of them, I'd have that shit my boots shaking because they're going to come to get me and I'm going to be next. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay. Retired Dallas Police Chief Jesse Curry reveals his personal JFK assassination file. Limited Collector's Edition. Hmm. Oh, okay. There's a picture of him. And that's him, huh? Okay. Uh, let's get some papers. This is a, a, a uh, stuff I didn't get to cover last time when we had the subject for it. So okay, this, good. So let me clear my desk here. Okay. okay, there's John and Jackie Kennedy. Where are they? Uh, next to Air Force One, it looks like, or outside mm-hmm. of Air Force One. They're in Dallas, Texas. Oh, okay. When you get off the plane, look at that per- He's a, well, okay. Well, I'm sorry. This this is once again Jesse Curry. Okay, Jesse Curry, Dallas Police Chief. Okay. You've already seen that. That's a, a cut page of his first book. Uh huh. Answers to questions not being asked. But why would I ask the questions not being asked? Just to refresh your memory. The John Kennedy assassination, November 22nd, 1963. Okay, here's a question we're not answering. We haven't asked him. What was the motive of the assassination, Lee Harvey Oswald? Has anybody told you what it was? Did the Warren Commission tell you what it was? Uh-uh. Nope. No. What's the motive? Why did he shoot him? He didn't, he didn't, they didn't find out. Now, wait a minute. Curry's going to tell us this at the end. Yeah, this is interesting. 
Oswald 1 would have to know the route the motorcade was to, ta was to take. Two, it would turn in front of the depository building. Mm -hmm. Now let's do a little uh, research. Oswald was told about the job at the book depository on October 14, 1963 by Ruth Payne. <clears throat> he went and applied and started on October 16, 1963. That's at least five weeks before the assassination. A month and four days, yeah. Six days. The first plans for the motorcade, November 8, 1963, finalized on November 18, 1963. That's a month later. Mm -hmm. He had no idea that he'd be in a position to kill the president. He didn't go there because he wanted to assassinate the president. He had no way of knowing where Kennedy's going to go with the crew until the 18th. Exactly. And guess who finalized that damn circuit? Finalized by the chief of police, Jesse Curry. Oh, that is. <clears throat> now, here's the key. Let's take a look at this. Uh, they're going to laugh once again and say, boy, don't you hire someone that knows what they're doing for your visual age? Repeat after me. Ralph, hire somebody. Ralph, hire somebody. Don't say that. You're supposed to say, no, Ralph, we love your, your diagrams. <laughs> okay. okay. We're coming down Elm Street. Uh, let's see where the president. We start start down here, on this side. Oops. Okay. Because this is this is that must uh, be the Main Street, right? And then you turn, whatever I guess you call that north, yeah. on Houston Street, and right. then go up and make the swing in front of the Texas School Book Depository. Right. And that's where the shooting starts. Uh-huh. Now, Oswald's up on the sixth floor because that's what the Warren Commission said. And last week we proved that it wasn't because he's on yeah. the first, second yeah, floor. Yeah, it'd be impossible. Yeah. Yes. So that's the blue line. I thought that was pretty well done. I figured it out would be a colored. Yeah. And that's a little extra cost for me to buy this high, highly high cost. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. This is, this is taped on okay. President's motorcade route. Leave the field. Let's take it from the that's the Lovefield Airport, and we got arrows, 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 arrows uh -huh. down. And then he gets on Main Street to get onto Stemmons Freeway. There's right. no job for the for the Texas School Book Depository. Uh-huh. This is In other words, even if he waited and didn't know, but he was ready to assassinate him, he thought he was in, would find out he's in the wrong place. That's right. Because there's no job. Read the notice that there is no jog um, up Houston and left turn onto Elm Street. Wait a minute. Well, then, I'm sorry, we did this. That's Malcolm Pilgrim. He's about to announce that there was a, uh, a, uh, that, uh, John Kennedy, Kennedy passed away. And this guy, both these two men, this is Dr. Berkeley, his, uh, uh, Kennedy's personal physician. He was in the room watching. And he said, where, where, where was 
Pilgrim was outside in the doorway, in the hallway, waiting for the door to open so he could say to Berkeley, who's inside, he's a doctor, he's Kennedy's personal physician. He's in the room watching other doctors. So he opened the door and eyeball to eyeball and said, you can tell the, the media that John Kennedy died at one o'clock in the afternoon. And so again, Kilgore says, where was he shot? And Berkeley goes, yeah. Right, the right time. Mm-hmm. So then Kilgore walks, in, walks into the room, the press room, and he's right underneath the big clock, and he's visually being, it's on a videotape. He, he, I, I'll be honest, I think he was crying, and I can understand why. We all love John Kennedy. I'd even, I'd love the man, even though I voted for Goldwater in 64. Right. So anyway, he says, one o'clock. Where was he shot? And Kilgore goes. Points right at the right temple. That shot is not mentioned in the Warren Commission. Not a trace. I think I said then, and I'll repeat it. As far as I can find out, as no one. I've read 75 books on this uh, Kennedy assassination. Not one of them pointed that out. Mm-hmm. And then once again, this is grape juice. It's not alcoholic beverages because I don't imbibe. I'm a, I'm so somber. No, I'm always somber, but I'm also sober. Here's to you, David. Here's to you, Ralph. Please show that cup you just held up there. Uh, what 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 university did I go to? Show the, the University side. of Arizona. Show the other side. There, how bright. Look at that. What what color is that? Look. Arizona State. Where do you find this cup? Arby's. Arby's. This so is I'm not a commercial to... for Arby's, by the way. <laughs> I have no, no interest. Oh, no, wait a minute. Wait a minute. As we were joking before the program, what what, what sandwich do you buy at Arby's? Uh, the the uh, French dip. Always. Always. I buy the French dip. There's no nothing, no sauce, no chemicals. It's I presume roast beef sliced and put in a bun with some cheese. Uh-huh. And I've been buying Arby's uh, uh, a French dip for twenty years of well, I agree. Huge conspiracy killed President Kennedy. Mafia, Secret Service, FBI, CIA, Dallas Police, and the Masons. Those six groups were directly, directly involved, and I will prove that once I get a chance to get back to a normal routine with my business. I'm trying to keep, I'm still ready to close it down. Can I, can I say something, Ralph, real quick? Yeah. I, lived, I lived in North Carolina for a while, and it's considered the South, just like Dallas is. <clears throat> and I kid you not that everywhere you went, there were symbols of masonry, um, everybody you met was in the Masons down south. Okay. It's bizarre. Well, Charleston, what city, what state is Charleston? South, south Carolina, yeah. That's where the 33rd, the first 33rd degree temple was built in Charleston, South Carolina. Huh. Where was the war started, the Civil War? In Charleston, South Carolina. <laughs> and what did they fire on? Some fort, right? Like Henry, yeah. Yes. Now, let's talk about what Mr. 
Curry told us. Okay. Chief Jesse Curry, we don't have any proof that Lee Harvey Oswald fired the rifle and never did. Wait a minute. Wow. We just charged him with murder. Uh-huh. And there's not one shred of evidence he fired the shot. My goodness. Curry's got something here. He's telling us they uh-huh. framed an innocent man. Right. And he would know. You bet. This is a, I'm sorry, that was page one and two. This is a continuation okay. of the Nobody's ever been able to put him in that building with a gun in his hands. The Dallas Morning News, November 6, 1969. Crossfire, Jim Mars, 2013, page, pages 47 and 48. Well, here's the, here's the, the article. I don't know how I found it, but I, I printed it out. But it says... Not, not, sh- not sure on Oswald, author Curry indicates. Well, and there's, I think, this book down there, so... Mm-hmm. I can't read that writing. It's too small. So. That's all, I know. I, I didn't. Yeah. This, this, I wanted you to see. That's the source. Uh, and that's the source that Jim Mars... Did. J- J- I met Jim Mars twice mm-hmm. in my life. And, uh, and we talked for a while. And he and I were both simpatico, except he didn't, he didn't know really why he was murdered. I do. The reason President John Kennedy was assassinated... The war in Vietnam was planned by the American government at least in 1945, that far what, back. What year was it? 1945. When did the war start? 1964. Uh, 19 years later, the United States had troops in Vietnam, not as soldiers, but trainers of the South Vietnamese Army. We, I always heard that they were um, Oh, advisors. That was the word. Well, that a, I, I like that word. That, that, that's better. I, I stuck last night. I couldn't remember what the... That so once again, Epperson made a blunder. So you can't... Come on. You're a human being. If you weren't a human being, I would expect more of you. <laughs> <laughs> At least I look like Tom Selleck, though, right? That's right. Uh, that's the one thing positive about Ralph Epperson. <laughs> John Kennedy issued a National Security Action Memorandum 263 on October 11th, 1963. Hold right there. Stop right there. Okay. How, how far away is he from assassination? 11 days. <clears throat> no, November. Oh, uh, a month and 11 days. <clears throat> uh, to withdraw the first 1,000 soldiers by the end of 1963. So there were soldiers in the, I like the word you use, trainers. We were training the South Vietnamese against the North Vietnamese. That's what the war was about. Right. Hold on. We're going to learn the reason Kennedy was assassinated. And many in the Capitol knew that Kennedy would totally withdraw all troops after the election of 1964. Wow. Somehow he didn't make it. Nope. What was the number? Two, six, three, October the 11th of 1963, the first 1,000. Mm-hmm. After the assassination, a new president, Lyndon Johnson, issued now National Security Action Memorandum 273 to rescind NASAM 263. Okay. Oh, yeah. Don't do what Kennedy did. Yeah. 
Man, oh man, I hate politicians. In other words, this was, in my opinion, the reason President Kennedy had to be assassinated. He did not want to fight the war in Vietnam. Amen. Now, please buckle your seatbelt, okay? Yeah, sure. Now listen to this. The rough draft of NASM 273 was signed on. Stop, stop, stop right there. Okay. This is the one that's going to rescind right? Mm-hmm. So yeah. the rough draft of this thing was found. Was signed, yeah. On. On. Hold on. Hold on. November 21st, 1963, the day before the assassination on November 22nd, 1963. Was he allowed to do that, being the vice president? Well, he wasn't vice No. <clears throat> well, I, I, I know that the planners of the war in oh. Washington, D.C. did it. But notice it was done the day before the assassination. Right. Please remember that date. That's when... November 21st, 1963. The day before it was found, by the way, in Lyndon Johnson's records. Yeah, figures. Some people knew that JFK's NASM 243 would not be fulfilled. What's 243? I'm sorry, there's not the number. Oh, forgive me. It's supposed to be 273? No, not two, uh, 263. Oh, okay. That's right. I'm sorry. I guess, I, uh, yeah, I, I mistyped that. Okay, that's two. So you can count. Correct you. I'm not it. counting, Ralph. I'm not counting. <laughs> so now. On August 2nd, 1964. Stop. How much longer was that after 63? Or six months or nine months? Or yeah, about nine August. months. Uh-huh. The Gulf of Tonkin incident occurred. Now, I don't know what these small ships are called. I couldn't think of it. This is all done by memory. North Vietnamese small ships attacked American naval ships in the Gulf of Tonkin. Shortly thereafter, Johnson... ...bombed North Vietnam. And baby, he stopped. started bombing. Bombing was held every day to blow up North Vietnam. Kill. And Robert McNamara, the Secretary of Defense, admitted the Gulf of Tonkin incident did not happen. Yes. Well, did it or didn't it? That's a wonderful picture of John Kennedy. Let's end with this as we did last time. John, we hardly read. Do you see what I've just revealed? As far as I know, I'm the only one saying this. Mm-hmm. I know the people in Washington planned the war and brought it to fruition. They know. But on our side, I can't find anybody saying this. I've read 75 books, and we all say, well, we all know we died. Forgive me. That's Ralph, what did, what did Eisenhower warn us to be careful of? 
Oh, the military industrial complex? Yeah, that's exactly what killed Kennedy, isn't it? Or part of it, anyway. Uh, but, can we talk about that? Yes, I'd love to. Okay. There is no such thing as the military industrial complex. I will prove it by asking you what role does the government play in the military industrial complex? It doesn't. It doesn't. It's not named, is it? No, it's uh, military conspiring with the industrialists to get us into war. Right. That's why. Now, wait a minute. Let's go back a little bit. Let's go back to World War II. General uh, Dwight Eisenhower was in charge of all of the uh, foreign troops that were in Canada, I think, and uh, England and France had troops to go uh, conquer the Germans. Right. So during that time, he he was married to Mamie, Mamie, his wife, mm -hmm. back in Washington, D.C., and he's in Europe. He had an affair with his chauffeur, female right. chauffeur. I'll think of her name in a minute. It's, it's in there someplace. Roosevelt found out about it, called him, and said, come back and go around, open up supermarkets and kiss babies and sit with your wife and then transfer this woman. Kay Summersby was her name. Uh -huh. okay. So he, he did what he was told. Wait, no, 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 no. Uh, you're, I'm a, Eisenhower, you're Roosevelt. Roosevelt. I'm in charge. It's a military industrial complex in charge, not the government. Oh, no, it's not. He got chastised and he obeyed because the president of the United States is the commander in chief of every admiral, colonel, corporal. He's the one in charge. He orders admirals and generals to do things. He's number one. But he's not mentioned in the military-industrial complex. And there's a reason for this. You might remember Joseph McCarthy, the senator. Yeah. Mm -hmm. He started naming the fact that there were communists not only in the basement plotting revolution, they were in the army. Right. And he started naming names, and he had to be destroyed. Right. And Eisenhower made sure that he was destroyed. Mm -hmm. They smeared the man. Once again, in the unseen hand, there's the best review of this whole thing done in about half, half a chapter. Uh -huh. Little Ralphie put it together. If you want to know the documentation, that's true. Now, let's give you another example. During the Vietnamese War, Carol MacArthur was in, was in charge of all of the forces, whether they were us and the, or maybe the Canadians, I don't know, others. But he was in charge. Mm -hmm. Country of, uh, of uh, North Vietnam, Korea, uh, 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 <laughs> is like this. So he decided when the Red Chinese attacked up here over the Yellow uh, River, he decided to blow up the bridges. Mm -hmm. And the word went back to uh, President, and who was that? Uh, uh, was it Eisenhower during the Truman. war? Truman. Yeah. So Truman said, don't do it. And he started to do it, and he ordered him to come to Hawaii, and he fired MacArthur. 
See, the military-industrial complex is where these top layers start pointing. But that's missing. The generals, the president. Now, I don't think I've ever seen, had seen anyone salute the president. The president salute the guy on the uh, helicopter. Maybe they didn't do that until they got the helicopters. But now, uh, Trump, uh, Biden, uh, even Biden and, and, and uh, Obama and George Bush were all too. In other words, I'm in charge. Right. They're saluting me because I'm in charge. Mm-hmm. So it's the government who use, who joins the industrialists and uses the army to get us into war. Right. It's not the military industrial complex. And I'm also the same only one saying that. I'm glad we brought it up. Yeah. I want to make that point. There is no such thing as a military-industrial complex because where's the government's role? Right, right. Well, R- Ralph, we're, now I'm going to go even deeper here. Where do the banks fit into all this? Because we oh, know that, that the banks start wars to, to make money, like you said earlier. No, that's the way we get into wars, according to Jefferson. As I mm-hmm. said, you would, uh, I'll be a king and you're a king. We're neighbors. Right. And I go to you and say, listen, Dave, I hate to say it, King Three is going to attack you soon. He's getting his shoulders together. You better borrow money from me or I'll, I'll loan you the money and he'll take it out from a central bank and you got a central bank and you'll borrow. And the central banks are owned by the same people. Mm-hmm. So you got your central bank is owned by the same people that own my central bank. So you borrow money to go fight this guy and, and maybe you don't go to war or not. But that's what starts it. And Europe has been plagued by... Spain attacking Germany and Germany attacking France and France attacking Poland for ad infinitum. And since the central banks were started back in the 1700s, that's, by the way, since we're talking about this, let's talk about the Civil War. Okay. No southern states did not form a union. We formed a union joining all together under one government called the government of the United States, a nation called America. Right. In each of those states were separate. There was a leader, but he dealt with the states who told him what to do. After the war was, if the South had won, each one of those states would get a central bank. And then we'd get Georgia fighting Mississippi, and Mississippi fighting Louisiana, and Louisiana fighting uh, Arkansas, and then Arkansas and Georgia attack uh, North Carolina, whatever it is. Do you understand? Mm-hmm. That's what the purpose. The South, if they had won, we would have had a Europe with 12, 11 different central banks, each one fighting the next door neighbor for some unknown reason. So we're lucky they didn't win. Mm-hmm. I hope that's clear. Is there is there a paper trail that leads to that information, Ralph? Well, I've, I'd have to say I, I've I've published on it. It's I think it's in the unseen hand. Mm-hmm. I, I, at the moment, I can't confirm that because I haven't read the unseen hand in a number of years. It's in there. I remember it. Yeah. But but it, it but understand the principle: a central bank loans money to governments. Right. Wars are costly. Lincoln couldn't pay 
he has troops and the soldiers and the, what he needed to buy an ammunition and ships wherever he needed because mm-hmm. he had no way to tax. Right. So the banker showed up. Hey, uh, President Lincoln, this is my interpretation of what I believe happened. Hey, Lincoln, you got a war there. I'm sorry, I'm going to make it simple. You got a war there, don't you? Oh, you're not terrible. I got the South, the 11 states fighting where I got a, I don't know how to pay for it. Oh, gee, guess what? We're in the loaning business. We can loan you money and then you can fight the South and you'll be happy. Lincoln said no. Right. What did he do? He issued the Greenback Dollar, mm-hmm. which was not funded by gold, had no promise of gold because the money that the North, the the United States had was gold coins. Right. In fact, the Constitution gives him the authority to make gold coins. Mm-hmm. So Lincoln just bypassed him and said, I'll do it myself with a worthless piece of paper. And there was billions of those worthless counterfeit. Well, they, I guess you call it counterfeit. They were issued by Lincoln and they were used in the North to pay for the soldiers he needed in the the cannons and where the ships were. Right, right. So the central bankers were the ones that planned the war. Mm-hmm. They had to get the United States into a central bank. We had no, well, we had a bank, we had, that's right, Bank One, Central Bank One, lasted for 20 years. It was a, a Monroe stopped it. And then the next one was Jackson stopped it. So we had two, two central banks. Each one had a 20-year period. That's right. It is in the unseen man. Yeah. 20 periods, and they both lapsed by mm-hmm. conscientious American patriotic presidents. No more central banks. So finally, they said, we've got to have a central bank. We want America to have one that we can own. Right. So what did they do? They planned to war. Now, they thought, well, we'll use Mexico and Canada, but they're not strong enough. Mm-hmm. So we got to somehow... Got to get this Lincoln into the half of the uh, central bank. I know what we'll do. We'll split the South off. And we're a brother fighting brother. Right. And we'll get Lincoln then to create the central bank. Lincoln didn't do it. Mm-hmm. And that's why Lincoln was assassinated. Right. By the way, just as a matter of interest, Lincoln was in the Forge Theater up in the second floor balcony looking down on the, the play of something of cousins or something, my two cousins, and laughing and joining himself. And little John Wilkes Ruth snuck up there. The guard who was posted up there was not there. He abandoned. He was seen down in the saloon. There was no investigation that I can find that charged this man with yeah. abundance of duty. Booth opened the door, walked behind and fired the shot. Now, here's the reason it's significant. Well, that's significant enough. But the body was brought down the stairs, across the street, up a flight of eight or nine steps, into a, right. bo- a, a boarding house. And there, were, mm-hmm. there was one room that was unoccupied. The bed was made. No one was there. The doors weren't even locked. And they took his body down. That room was where... Jesse James, alias William Clark. Oh, wow. 1865. He was already in the Knights of the Golden Circle and would mm-hmm. soon join 
Masons. Jesse James, as his first job under the Knights of the Golden Circle, was to rent the room and then disappear. Now, why that name showed up, I don't know. But someone said, I've checked it out twice. I'm trying to find someone who knows who he was. But William Clark was the alias of William (laughs) William Andrews Clark. Wow. Yeah, these are little tidbits, and I have to... Okay, now... That's amazing. Little Ralphie's... I'll, I'll just say, I do what I what I'm doing. Okay, now, David. Sure. We're going to ask you to do some work. We're going to ask you to think, David. <clears throat> God exists. Proof for the skeptic by Ralph Epperson, 1976. I'm going to ask you, David, and you can answer as clearly as you want. You'll probably answer correctly, but you could also answer incorrectly. What I'm going to do is ask three questions to you, meaning you're the skeptic, and you're going to answer with your own words. I'm not going to put words in your mouth. All right. Does the universe exist? Yes, it does. There are only three possible answers to this question. The universe exists. Number two, the universe does not exist. Or number three, the answerer is not sure. Is that what other uh, possibilities there? There isn't any. Yeah. Uh, It exists. There are people that say it doesn't exist. Mm -hmm. There's a word for it. I, 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 I did this research back in 76. I don't know why this occurred to me. I was sitting there in, in Oregon, in fact, in my, in my den, and I'm sitting with a pencil of paper. I start drawing, and saying, I can look at this solution. 1976. You weren't even born yet, were you? <laughs> <laughs> that was a compliment, David. Yes, it was. Thank you. Okay, there are only two, two, there are only one, there's only one possibility. Uh, Shown this way, the question is universe does exist, does not exist, or not sure. So if you're not sure, are you standing? You're sitting in a chair. That means you, what what are you doing sitting in a chair? Why are you there? Why is there a world around you? Why are you living there? Because I got it from the floor. So the answer to question one has to be the universe exists. Would you say about that? Isn't that yeah. a truism? Sure enough. It's got to exist. You're sitting someplace. You're sitting on the universe. Uh-huh. The earth is yeah. part of the universe. <clears throat> yes, it is. Therefore, universe well, it does exist, does not exist, not sure. Well, I guess I put it in there twice. Oh, by the way, this is a booklet that I published, and that's I had to go through and find quick notes and work on just getting it short and quick to breathe. To show any skeptic, it's very easy to prove that God does exist, and I'm doing it right now. Well, thanks for doing all that work, Ralph. Uh, question number one, does the universe exist? Answer to question one, number one, the universe exists. Okay. okay. Now, let's take number two. Did the universe have a beginning? 
Number one, the universe did not have a beginning. Number two, the universe had a beginning. Number three, not sure. Any other possibility? Nope. Uh, if the universe does not, it didn't have a beginning, how did it, was it been there forever? It forever? Can't be. Huh? Uh, it can't be. Uh, the universe is decaying. Decaying implies a beginning. It's like mm -hmm. this. There's the universe fully formed, and it goes down to decay. Someday, there's not going to be a universe. That's right. It had to have a beginning. Okay. Did, did you... Question two, did the universe have a beginning? Number one, the universe did not have a beginning. Number two, the universe had a beginning. Number three, not sure. So I, I probably should have someone said question number two. Obviously, it's pretty apparent to me it had to have a beginning. Mm -hmm. There's number three. Number three, was the universe created by something larger than man and the universe? The answer to question three, yes, the universe had to be created by a master designer larger than man and the universe. The answers to the three questions can now be put together. So I, I didn't, forgive me, I quickly did this. This is my 50-page booklet with uh -huh. documentation between one, two, and three. But one, two, and three can be easily answered simply by yes or no or yes. Yeah. So I should have said uh, three, the answer is... Uh, That's okay. Large, created by something larger. Mm -hmm. David, when did you print it? Which please tell us when you did it. Come on, David. Look at my private convinces. Well, seeing that it's such a mess, I probably did create it. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think it was created a mess, though. I think it was created perfect. Yes. And it's an entropy. In the beginning, a creator created the universe. Okay, now stop right there. Okay. That's what the skeptic will conclude. In the beginning, one, it was created, and it had it's uh, been there forever. Mm -hmm. Okay. It had a beginning. Okay. The human yeah, mind has just scientifically, logically, and rationally concluded that in the beginning, a creator created the universe. That's right, the universe. Now, let's see whether or not we can find that said someplace else. Okay, the first ten words of the Bible are found in Genesis 1.1. They read, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. That is a self-evident truth. There is no debate. How is the only... It is the only way that it could have happened. There is no other option. Would you agree? I think you thought to agree. And normally a skeptic tries it. But as soon as you start seeing, he's got me covered. I, I get out of it. I don't want to know this. Why? I'm tell I, I think I shared with you last week, and I'll be a good way maybe to end this, end this thing. Is, well, wait, let's just do a couple of more pages to put in. Let's give you some examples that Universes decay. Uh, thermodynamics has two basic laws that are deemed to be universal in their application. They are called laws because they are thought to be applicable throughout the universe. They work in the Earth's solar system and they work in the entire universe as well. Okay, what are they? 
these two laws are number one the law of energy conservation energy is not being created in the universe it is only being changed in form if you think about that mm -hmm. you cannot see any creation in the universe it's only being changed right you cannot create matter only god well that's now if you believe that that's not true then what's creating it now we find 47 million miles away no now it's 247 million miles. Uh -huh. that's law, law law scientific number one the law of decay is number two and it is being changed in form it becomes less available for further use the second statement is called the law of decay the law of entropy in other words as it changes uh, a match i don't have a, let's say this is a match and it's got a tip on it now that i strike it and suddenly there's a flame and it starts to burn the match. Right. I shake it like this and out. Now, how do I gather that heat again and put it back on where here? I want I want it back because if I was a match, I only had the one, and I want it to be redone again. Does it does it do it again? Can I gather up the heat and the lights and put it back on top of the no. stick? Mm -hmm. Well. Let's just restate it. The skeptic says, In the beginning, God created the universe. The first ten words of the Bible are found in Genesis 1.1. They read, In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. That is self-evident truth. There is no debate. It is the only way it could have happened. There is no other option. Do you understand? In my sitting in a, in a room in my home in Oregon, I sat down and worked it out with the piece of paper. I don't know why. I just did it. I, uh -huh. I, I, I don't believe in oh, you know, someone guiding. Maybe it was. Maybe God said, listen, Ralph, in 1976, you're going to figure it out. Okay, now, oh, this is interesting. Okay, when two, except, when two skeptical scientists put their heads together and reached an amazing conclusion, there must be a God. Now, this is an article I don't know if I've ever heard uh, Daily Express, August the 14th, 1991. Now, let's just look. This, this is a copy of a copy of a copy, but I've got it. This is it. I got this from uh, someone there to you from England. Those two men are the two men that we're talking about. Right. The one in the white shirt is Sir Fred Hoyle, who's a, a head of the... Uh, He's a mathematician. Yeah, he's an astronomer, but he's also, uh, uh, well, I guess he's, in fact, he's one of the, he's the one that came up with the Big Bang. Right. So there, and that's Chandra Wickramasinghe, who's a Buddhist. Mm -hmm. Notice what he said. There must Why be did they the word must? There's no option. Must means it must, it must have happened. <clears throat> right. Now, this is a transcript of the article. The transcript of the article, there must be a God. <clears throat> when two skeptical scientists, scientists put
put their heads together and reach amazing conclusion. Daily Express, London, England, August 14th, 1991. Can you read those slides? Yeah, I think so, if it stays still. There wasn't much to agree on when Britain's most eminent scientists began searching. I'm sorry, let me try to get that over to you for you. Because I, it, it, it's curving, because it's just a sheet of paper. Well, anyway. Okay, Britain's okay. scientists began researching into the original origin of life. But at one point, they were both quite clear that the motion of a creator is inconsistent with science. Today, Professor Fred Hoyle, an organic, excuse me, an agnostic of Christian background, a professor, Chandra... McRomacy. Okay, McRomacy. Um, an atheist Buddhist are, cha- are changed men. They believe it is, it's quite a shock, said that man, Sir Lankin, uh, born professor of applied mathematics and astronomy on University uh, College, Cardiff. Well, that's just... Given credentials. Okay, here's... Let's just summarize it with this, the second paragraph. Not the first one. Okay. That one right there. Okay. Uh, that notion has had to be very painful, painfully shed. Uh, yeah, shed. Um, I am quite uncomfortable in the situation, the state of mind I now find myself in, but there's no logical way out of it. So what he said was, it has to be true. He said, he, he said that the odds of the spark of life igniting accidentally anywhere in the universe is 10 to the power of 40,000. Right. Rolling sixes, two, two dice, for your six numbers, to get a 12, 50,000 times wow. is equal to 10 to the power of 40,000. Take, take. Man. Then you get up to 11. Boy, you're lucky you do 11. Right. Maybe 12, 15, oh, eight. Okay, so again. It's one, two, three, six. 50,000 shakes of 12 on two dice is equal to 10 to the power of 40,000. Wow. That's how much chance there is in chance. Chance has no chance. That's incredible. Well, little Ralphie, I don't, I just think I, God said to write it down, Ralph, so I did. Right. Now, if you want a copy of that, I'll put this up there. <clears throat> okay. Should anyone want to get in touch with me for any reason, Please contact Ralph Epperson, email address <clears throat> EppersonRA at AOL.com, mailing address 3100 South Philomena Place, Tucson, Arizona, 85730, United States of America, phone number, area code 520-886-4380. 
may I suggest you visit my website on the Internet, www.ralph-epperson.com. Okay. I hate to say it, David. That is a truism. You cannot argue that. I agree. Separate true because it's true. Mm-hmm. It's true because it's true. Exactly. So you people who think you're an atheist, okay, tell me what started this. Why are you there? Tell me why you're sitting where you are right now. Right. Oh, I was. I woke up this morning. Got up. Okay. Why would you wake it up? Where were you born? I was born in Indianapolis. Oh yeah. Why were you born in Indianapolis? Where were you before Indianapolis? <laughs> Did this universe exist, or was it created by chance? Right. There's no adage. A man wakes up after two thousand years, and he stumbles around in the in the in the desert, and he picks up a wristwatch, and he says, well, "Look at this marvel! What is this?" And he sees the wristwatch is just it's moving. I wonder. Wonder what a spring. It seems to make a circle, and then every every once in a while, it moves the other hand, grip one, and then two, and then grip the seconds. This had to be there by chance. Right. No, hey, you who made this thing, if you made it, come step forward and tell me what it's for. I don't know what it's for, but I can see it's working and fine. It's moving. Right. right. Nobody shows up. Mm-hmm. Is he going to say it got there by chance? Yes, he is. If he's a skeptic like these people that believe in nothing. Right, right. Wow, powerful stuff, Ralph. Huh? Powerful stuff. Okay. Now we've been on the air for an hour. Uh-huh. I, I, I believe this might take an hour, so I'm willing to start it. And maybe I shouldn't. Well, you want to do it next week? No. Well, this was this was about half of what we did last week in two hours, so it might be an hour. So three to four. And we're going to go pretty quickly. One, there's not a lot of reading except pages, and each page has got just a couple of three lines. All right. It's worth forty every trip. Okay. Okay, let me find. Uh, you can sing if you want, David. Uh, <laughs> no, if maybe. you don't pay your fees, <laughs> I will break your knees. That was a common mafia song back in the yeah. 1950s. <laughs> I even put this on color blue. Oh, look at that. Huh. So it's for all the guys. Read it. The marriage plan will work. Uh-oh. Oh, don't make a positive statement like that. No no one's got the answer to marriage. Well, it said will. It didn't say might. <laughs> well, after this, they're going to have it. Okay, now I'm going to open up the, uh, the, the this is in the notebook. I'm going to take these pages out. So, so uh, I don't mean to ask you to send it down, David. I think you melted the wires on my computer. <laughs> That's what I'm here for. (laughs) Okay. Let's see how we do. It's about five after, so here we go. Okay. 
Let's rock and roll. This is a this is going to be just a page like this. Okay. Not, Evi- not a lot to read. Okay. Evidence that there is a plan for a successful marriage. We are being taught two strategies. One, marriage is an equal partnership where both parties decide this, the course of the marriage. And just like the two-headed animal, it will not last in the wild. Oh. This is very interesting. Hmm. Where in nature is there an animal with two heads? Well, in the business world, there is a business with two heads. A corporation has a president. A partnership is the most unsuccessful form of business arrangement ever devised. Here is why a major decision. Here is why a major decision. One says yes, one says no. Who decides? Yeah. So you can't have a partnership in a marriage. Uh-huh. You've got, you got a decision to make. I want to go. You don't want to go. Well, who decides? Mm-hmm. So these are, these are, this might not take very long because this is just pages like this you read and then go on. Okay. Where in the sports world is there a team with two managers or two coaches? Why does the private automobile not come with two steering wheels? Why don't they put, if it's a partnership, put a steering wheel for the wife? Mm -hmm. Good question. The alternative second strategy, we're being taught that the woman must run the marriage. This strategy strategy is being taught by design. Let's just reflect for a while, David. Mm -hmm. Where did this start? In the 1930s, nationwide radio programs had a different message. Our parents listened to Dagwood and Blondie, Archie, The Life of Riley, Fibber McGee and Molly, amongst others. No. I, I, want, I never had a radio, never paid attention, but I went to my grandmother's house in 46 or 7, sometime when I'm 10 years old. Mm-hmm. And she had a big console radio. And I was able to turn it on and listen to the, the shadow, nose, the blue Argo, whatever it was all. And the family, I got pictures of the family sitting around listening to this new marvel called radio. And suddenly something was going on. Something was happening. They all had one thing in common. Each family had a strong wife and a bungling husband. Oh, my goodness. That sounds like indoctrination. Yeah. The lesson was clear. Men were incompetent. Women should assume leadership in the marriage. Oh, they're doing something with the radio. Mm-hmm. The radio got t- taken over by J.P. Morgan. I wonder why. That's why they call them programs, Ralph. They yes, program I- you with them. Um, someone was changing the structure of the American marriage. What has been the result when we believe that these two strategies? Look around you, women who run the marriage. Notice the body language of the husband. I love to see people start thinking about that. 
couples, in married couples, and the wife is in charge, what's the husband look like? Usually sitting in the okay, chair. Okay, dear, we'll go there. Yes, I'll buy you that, whatever you want to wear. Mm-hmm. I believe that you can see that he has no self-confidence. He has withdrawn. Did you remember that statement that the woman's powerful? All of those programs I named by, by actually listening to them years ago, all had a bungling. Her life was Riley. He was always bungling. Did you remember me? McGee had a closet and he opened it up and out to 47 years of debris. And it just... Other results. Divorce, rape, a crime of control. Women with split last names, Mary Jones Smith. Now, think about that. Now we got Mary Jones Smith. Now, when she's married, she put her, her mother's name, last name, on her name. Mm-hmm. So it's now Mary. I'm Johnson married, but I'm also the daughter of Smith, Johnson Smith. Right. Now, when, when this girl gets married, her name is now Alicia Johnson Smith, whatever it is. She's got to put her mother's name on. She's got to leave John ACB. And down by the right. tenth marriage, you got a twenty-seven name of marriage. Right. First, I'm going to leave. The chaos. I've got three names. Now you got a four, now five, now six. Right. How brilliant we are! There's a reason the the woman takes her husband's name, and we're going to find out why. Okay. This is the most blatant example I can, I've ever heard of. Wives working in one city and her husband's in another. Spousal abuse. Well, can I just do it in with this? Mm-hmm. I, 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 a friend of mine, uh, he told me his story. This couple or something, she lives in Kansas City and he lives in, in Los Angeles. So every weekend, one goes back and forth like this. Oh, my goodness. That's so she's terrible. She's got a good job, and he's got, oh, that's a good marriage, isn't it? Oh, I see you on weekends, and you can, you can flirt with all the bosses at where you are, and I can do the same because you can't see me because you're in Los Angeles. Right. I'm in Kansas City. That's a bridge. Marriage. Mm-hmm. No, it should be together. Right. I agree. I'm, that, that was a true story. Mm-hmm. Yesterday's marriage ceremony, bride down the aisle on the arm of her father, groom already there, pastor who gives the, gives the bride away. Uh, why did the, guy come, the father come down the aisle with the woman, the bride-to-be, on his arm? Was that, what's, that, what's that all about? No one explained it to me. Uh-huh. The father and or the wife, I, we do, the father or the father and mother is are admitting to the family and friends that he they will no longer be responsible for the bride's sustenance. You understand? Mm-hmm. That's why you bring all the neighbors in. And then, hey, Witnesses. you know, I'll tell me my wedding. What I want to do is put fine, cake afterwards. Mm-hmm. In other words, it's done publicly. Right. You can't elope. That's not right. You do it. Publicly, and here's the reason, well, you know, a couple of slides, maybe. Vow of the husband. Wilt thou have this woman to be a wedded wife, to live together in holy state of matrimony? Wilt thou love her, comfort her, honor, and keep her in sickness and in health, and forsaking all others, keep thee only unto her, so long as both shall live? 
does that give the husband a chance to have an affair? No, not at all. How about the wife? Mm-mm. Oh, the wife. Well, we, we, she, in other words, he just took took that as a vow to God. Right. You're in a church and you're getting married by a pastor and you just committed me and her till death do us part. My next door neighbor, two doors down, made, well, first time I got to meet him, because he said, I was a Catholic, he used to go to Mass. I, I had two affairs with my wife and I were divorced. What? Two of you got out of your marriage when you made a commitment to God? Right. Oh, I don't have that matter. I just thought it was words. What? Yeah, I know. The groom answers, I do. He just made a commitment in front of God. Yes, verbally. The whole audience heard him say that. Mm-hmm. That's why they're there. As witnesses, yeah. Yes. Oath of the wife. The same except she promises to obey her husband. Oh, my God. Obey her husband? Mm-hmm. Holy schmoly. We're going to see what that does to the women's liberation movement. <laughs> After the ceremony, she takes the last name of her husband. The courts say that they are one. The wife slash husband cannot testify against his or her spouse and community property. Now, in other words, there's a principle here. When you get married, you know longer true. Come become one flesh. Yes. And you are legally, she cannot testify against you, and you cannot testify against her because you're one. Right. They don't know that. But the courts are obligated to. Now, what do you do when you got a third name here? What about Johnson over there? She's my Mary Jones Johnson. But what about Johnson? She got to say in this? For sure. See what the courts have done? They're, they're doing what they're supposed to do. Community property. The surviving spouse gets the property upon the death of the other spouse. Yeah. So there's uh-huh. no one to go fight. There's, it's very clear. The wife survives. The property automatically becomes hers. Unless you're in a communist state. Oh. I never said that. You must be a communist. You know something. I said... I just read uh, where the family's going to be destroyed. Right. Is that happening in America today? Yes, it yes, is. Yes, it is indeed. Yes, it is. Um, why? Who made these rules? Rule? A rule? That means it's mandatory. It's mm-hmm. not It's not a whim. Or a suggestion. Yeah. A suggestion. God is the author of marriage. Now, take that on. Is he, is he or is he not? But that's, you took a vow, my next door, forgive me, I hate he's not gone. But he told me himself, almost proudly, I, I cheated on my wife twice. Twice! And they're wow. Catholics. The manual for marriage is the Bible. God made both man, male and female, Genesis 1. 2 through 20, 26 through 27. So God created man in his own image, and in the image of God created he him. Male and female, he created them. Oh, no, no. We've got 29 different genders. 
Why did they come up with that? Because of this. That's right. Do you understand? You're still a male. You can't. You can get all the surgery you want, puff up your cheeks, wear mud makeup. You're still a man. Chemical. Inside your DNA, you can't change that. That's right. So God, God did that for a reason. Um, yeah, okay. Oh, I better not show this. Hold on, this probably going to get me in trouble. Oh, well, let's go down together, Ralph. <laughs> yeah. uh, notice, God did not make lesbians or homosexuals. Did you agree with that? I agree 100% not with that. Adam and Eve and Steve, is it? Mm-mm. Now, let's continue. Is God being consistent? Yeah. I'm quoting from the Bible. Now, that's dangerous today because no one believes in the Bible. But right. we should because this is what's happening in America, and that's why our families are all messed up. Mm-hmm. God made woman for man, Genesis 2:18, And the Lord God said, it is not good for that the man should be alone. I will make him a help meet, a helper for him. A helper. Notice what he's doing. He's mm-hmm. not saying, I shall make her a partner. Right. Have the authority over you. I'll make her a helper. Uh-huh. So she's supposed to help. She's to give counsel. And we're going to see that in a few more minutes, how beautiful that whole thing is. Yeah. Genesis 2.22, And the rib which the Lord God had taken from the man made he a woman and brought her unto the man. Wow. So God made from Adam's rib. I'm told that, that, that the, the rib that God, I don't know if this is, I've heard this, it doesn't mean it's true, but it seems to fit. That God took part, took a rib out of Adam and then created Eve. So it was, out of you, I made you, Eve, your wife. I am told that that rib, if you remove it, it goes bad. It's the only part of the body that does that. I don't know. That seems to fit. It's a beautiful story, isn't it? Yeah, it is. I Take the rib out and see if it grows. Lizards. Cut off their tail, and a couple of years later, they got it back again. Mm-hmm. Genesis two twenty three, and Adam said, "This is now bone of my bone and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman because she was taken out of a man." See that? This is just, this is so beautiful. I can't. It just all makes sense. It's been, we've been doing this for centuries, not anymore. 1 Corinthians 11.8 For the man is not of the woman, but the woman of the man. So these are various other scriptures that are appropriate to this. Okay. 1 Corinthians 11.9 Neither was the man created for the woman, but the woman for the man. Oh boy, here we go. Oh, no, he didn't. God created marriage. Oh, no, he didn't. Oh, no, it's, it's, it's all. Genesis 2, 24. Uh, Therefore shall a man leave his father and his mother and shall cleave unto his wife, and they shall be one flesh. My goodness. The man's supposed to go out and create a new family. Right. It's not to stay, live in the basement while he's seventy. 60, 32 years, 
Mm-hmm. Young guys that don't have a job struggle to live with mom and dad for a long time. Right. Mom and dad out. Mm-hmm. You, you, you're, you got two weeks to find a job. And then take your dad. You're, you're, my wife and I want to live the rest of Yeah, exactly. Marriage makes two into one. Oh, no, that's not, that's not possible. Uh, come on. Ephesians 5.21, For this cause shall a man leave his father and mother, and shall be joined unto his wife, and they shall be one flesh. Jesus confirmed it. Matthew 19.4-6, Have you not read that he which made them in the beginning made them male and female, it said, for this cause, a man shall leave his father and mother and shall cleave to his wife, and they twain shall be one flesh. Wherefore, they are no more twain, or two, but they are one flesh. Uh, what therefore God has joined together, let no man put asunder. This is consistent in calling the isn't it? Mm-hmm. This is the way to do it, baby. Right. <laughs> Marriage is a ceremony performed before family and friends because 1 Thessalonians 5.22 abstain from all appearance of evil. So that's the reason. Mm-hmm. So normally when you live, you move out of the house and move in with someone else, a female, you're a man. Right. That gives the impression of evil because you're not supposed to do that. Mm-hmm. So once again, we're back to why do they do it publicly? purpose to make your marriage public to publicly demonstrate that the woman moving into your home your house is your wife that's why you invite the neighbors in mm-hmm. so you're there Thursday morning you're going out to work and shoot well, who's that woman ah just a woman I met last night well where'd she stay oh I, I don't know I, <laughs> I hear you in the Old Testament days, the future husband came to the father to ask for the hand of his daughter. I talked to a, 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 a I got to know your husband. And one night when I went over to meet with him for some reason, I met the daughter. And she said, when a guy calls me to ask me out for a date, he's got to talk to, to daddy. Mm-hmm. Daddy says, I want you to know something. <laughs> I love this. He says, I'm going to let you go out with the most precious thing in my life. If you do something wrong, you've got me to answer to. Right. You don't think that guy is shaking in his boots? That's right. And when, when they went out together, she's treated like a lady. Uh-huh. No, it's no. As soon as you get her in the car, you start making advances because you want to. No, you don't dare go to bed with this woman uh-uh. because daddy's going to talk to you about <laughs> right. that. It's baseball like, bat. Yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> I asked daddy, how, how, how many times have you done that? Oh, about three or four times. I'm not often, but I'm telling you, every time that gentleman has her, I said, I want her home by noon, midnight, 12, 12 o'clock, bing, bing, <laughs> door, come <laughs> The father asked questions about the future husband's ability to provide. He knew his daughter best. You see what he's doing? He's asking the father, knows that daughter from birth. 
Right. 20 something years, let's say 20 years old. Mm-hmm. He knows that woman so bad. What kind, what does she do? Or does she kind of attitude? What, how she, does she cook? Can she man? Can she, you know, and so now, well, I just want to marry her. What do you think about her? Well, she, she's my, she flips my switch. <laughs> what have you got plans for marriage? You had a job yet? No, no, I, but as soon as I get married, I'm going to, no, you better provide for, because I'm not going to do it anymore. Right. And the, the real daughter says, Daddy, thank you. Mm-hmm. The father's purpose, what was best for his daughter. Would you agree with that? Amen. Yeah. Wow. Marriage is semi-permanent. Now, why did I say semi? Because when you get to heaven. Yeah, well, thank you, but but, which means death do you part. So if you if you if you survive your life, that ends the marriage. Right. So that's what it means. Mm-hmm. It's semi permanent. You're you're not married in heaven when you get there. I'm told. Right. But, so what this is saying is that it is semi permanent. But once you get into it, you don't get out. Right. There's no divorce in the Christian world. Uh huh. You you took the vow. You 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 promised to obey, and and follow God. Well, we're still not finished yet. Right. What is God's plan for marriage? Here we go. Women's livers. Pay attention, dear. <laughs> the man is to be the head of the household. Oh no! Don't say that. Oh come on, Ralph. <laughs> you're kidding me. You're not. You're joking. Come on, that's not true. Women, and women. I, I listened to Archie and Campbell and I've done Archie here and the Crimson McGee. <laughs> Genesis three sixteen. And the Lord God said to the woman, "Thy desire, thy desire shall be for thy husband, and he shall rule over you." Oh, boy, that's that's a misogynist statement, Ralph. <laughs> exactly. But Just notice, kidding. It's the word "rule" they use. Yeah. Which means she was created to be a helper. Right. God, I I told you from way a couple of, I don't know how long ago, God delivered the woman I was supposed to marry. Right. I, and suddenly a bad crash. I didn't even think it. I just instinctively said, that's the woman I'm going to marry. And guess what? Eight, uh-huh. six months later, we're getting married. Right. First Corinthians eleven three: The head of every man is Christ, and the head of every woman is the man, and the head of Christ is God. Amen. Titus two four, the aged. Remember, sometimes I'm I'm missing that, but each one of these is a script. Well, yeah, I'm, I know. I'm, I'm going to try to make sure I show you the ones that are, so it's not my opinion. Okay, Titus two four, the aged woman may teach. Young women be sober to love their husbands, to love their children. Isn't that beautiful? Mm-hmm. Women are supposed to teach their young, their young children. That's Even right. Grandmothers can talk to the body. And so let me tell you about marriage. Right. Someday, little Johnny's going to come into your life, and you don't walk out of here with him until you're prepared to walk out of here with him. That's right. Amen. Titus 2.5, to be discreet. Chaste, keepers at home, good, obedient to their husbands. Are our good women today chaste and discreet? 
No. You know, it's a gossip city, isn't it? It's, it's a shame. It's just, we're doing everything wrong. God yeah. told us, listen. <laughs> yeah, everything's ass backwards or bass backwards. First <laughs> uh, Peter 3 1. Likewise, ye wives, be in submission to your own husbands. Submission. I wonder why it says to your own husbands instead of to your husbands. husbands. Yeah. Yeah, that's interesting. To your neighbor's husband, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) It's too, isn't it? Yeah, it does, unfortunately. I just meant the neighbor's guy. Oh, I'm sorry. No, I I took a load of hair in the morning. I happened to stumble over there. I thought it was your house, and I fell into his bed, and I was I don't know what happened, but suddenly. <laughs> okay, Colossians 3.18. Wives, be, submit yourself to your husbands as is fit unto in the Lord. There's something. If there's a church in the world that doesn't teach this, is it a church? No, it's not. Ephesians 5, 22-23. Wives, submit unto your own husbands as unto the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, and he is the Savior of the body. Excuse me, did you know what the purpose of marriage is? Mm-hmm. Ephesians five twenty four. Therefore... As the church is subject to Christ, so let the wives be to their husbands in everything. Can you have a piece of paper and a pencil? Could you write down a couple of on your on your desk? Two couple three words. Can you find something? <laughs> yeah, okay, hold on. Okay, I got a pen and I think I got paper here. Yeah, okay, I can do it. This is just a reminder at the very end, because I don't know that I covered this, but I do want to cover it. Okay. I want you to write down M.D., Dr. M.D. and Ph.D., two, two words, M.D. and Ph.D. That's okay. a couple. They're going to, well, I'll just end with that. That's the last, after or through, if I okay. forget, tell me. Yeah, yeah. Don't forget. The obligation of the husband. Good, I'm glad you're going into this, too. First Peter 3, 7. Likewise, ye husbands, dwell with them according to knowledge, Giving honor to your wife. Hallelujah. How do you honor your wife by shacking up with someone to some other woman? Come on. Right. He's a Catholic. Mm-hmm. They're the Pope, the, the, the priests are missing around with nuns. There was a. Let me see. Okay. Colossians 319. Husbands, love your wives and be not bitter against them. Oh. How many times you see marriages doing like this? lot <laughs> Ephesians 5.25 Husbands love your wives even as Christ also loved the church and mm-hmm. gave himself for it. I love that scripture. Sure, yeah. Husbands love your wives even as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it. Amen. Hallelujah. Come on. Husbands love your wives even as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it. You understand That's beautiful. It's just, it is. See, we're talking out of the men. Ephesians 5.28, So ought men love their wives as their own bodies. He that loveth his wife loveth himself. 
And when, when I come to that over here, this is a better example. Ephesians 5.29, For no man ever hateth his own flesh, but nourisheth and cherisheth it, it even as the Lord loves, loves, even as the Lord, the church. Okay. When I get to this point, I've done this maybe six or seven times. I'm pure courage. I just, I meet a guy and he said, hey, let's get some on and I go with this, stuff like this. Mm-hmm. And the, uh, I, there was a purpose in that. Uh, I, it slips my mind. But we'll come to it. I know we were of the MD PhD. I don't remember. First Corinthians 7 3. Let the husband render unto his wife due benevolence, and likewise also the wife to her husband. Okay, let's go back. I, it, it's not going to be what I meant by this. Let's read this, this one again. Ephesians For no man ever hateth his own flesh, but nourisheth. And cherisheth it, even as the Lord, the church. I remember now, forgive me. It was, uh, it was. When I get to that point in person, I ask the, the future husband, put your hand on the desk. Okay? Mm-hmm. Right down flat. Now take your other hand and smash it. Ooh, that would hurt. I talk, t- tell you, smash it. Why aren't you doing that? That hurts. Yes. You're fresh. You're one flesh with your wife. When you hit her, you're hurting her flesh and your flesh as well. That's right. Good analogy. I said, remember that. Yeah. Wow. Wow. Back in the 1970s, I attended a week-long seminar with 13,000 others in a convention center. It was called... This was in Portland, Oregon. Oh, really? Did you ever heard of this? Mm-mm. Oh, Bill Gothard Seminar? Yes. Three votes in a marriage. Number one, husband. Number two, wife. Number three, head of the household. Oh, my goodness. You give the husband two votes. They taught us that the children are submissive to the mother. The mother slash wife is submissive to the father. Really? Uh-huh. Just as is Jesus submissive to the Father God. Okay. Makes sense. Mm-hmm. So it's children, wife, husband, Jesus. And the father. Gothard showed it as an umbrella. The father, Jesus, the husband, the wife, the children. In other words, this had to going down. Right. Oh, wait a minute. Well, come on. I can't find a godly man. I don't I know. find a godly man. Second Corinthians 2 6. Be ye not equally yoked together. Uh, be not unequally yoked together. With unbelievers, for what fellowship hath righteousness with unrighteousness, and what communion hath the light hath light with darkness? And you want a yoke is? Being a farmer, you should know. Come on, the yoke is two circles. You put an, a, an oxen in that circle, and then the other one's an oxen, and right. you ask to go forward. 
right. you put a horse in here and an oxen, you're going to get this. They're going to turn circles. Yeah. So it says, be un, do not be unequally unyoked. You don't put a horse in a, in a donkey or a donkey even together to get your wagon to go. You right. got to, don't be un, Yeah. I, I, I had a worker here for me uh, way back in college student. She was the, the sister of a friend, and she said, gee, I'm looking at so come work for me, and I had a filling orders. And then, so she met a German who was an exchange student, and they were they were getting pretty serious. And so, well, how you doing? He said, well, he's okay, I guess. I said, well, you said, okay. Well, he's a little bit. He said, are you seeing that often? Yeah, it's a little bit tough. I said, abandon him as fast as you can because right. he's trying to impress you and he's only giving you 25% of this right when she abandoned him mm-hmm. good I think I saved her I don't know who she really needed but I, at least I separated those two but forgive me I didn't mean to interfere yes I did because I saved her a lot of hiding yeah I cannot find a godly man. Proverbs 31.10 and 12.4. Who can find a virtuous woman? For her price is far above rubies. A virtuous woman is a crown is a crown to her husband. They say, they say married couples should read, was it uh, Solomon? The Song of Solomon? It's, uh-huh. all, it's beautiful. Yeah, I agree. It, it's really, a, it's really a song. I think it's what they they call it a song. Mm-hmm. Women are nest builders. Men are nest protectors. First Timothy five fourteen. I will there, I will therefore, that the younger woman marry, bear children, guide the house. In summation, love is the key. Would you agree with that? Yeah, undoubtedly. Right, let's talk about this. There's more. Okay, let's, just, let's expose it and talk about it. All right. Five types of love in the Bible. Oh, I love this. Uh, Venile, love of, the, love of consumption. I love oranges. Eros, the love of the flesh, love of pleasure. Philios, brotherly love, I love mankind. Stoges, used used to um, to to one another. I love being with you is a good example. (laughs) But the greatest love is agape, undeserved love, unconditional love. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. This is, good. This is the one where you, they used to go to the football games. And I, the guy scores a touchdown. It's not twenty-seven. There's a guy there. Hey, John, three-sixteen. Yeah, with the colored hair. <laughs> yeah, I remember that. <laughs> I guess I think I don't know if they they stopped it. I haven't seen recently. Uh-uh. Maybe they don't cover that end zone down there anymore. <laughs> Each partner commitment to the marriage should be an agape love. How about that? Would That's you settle right. for that? 
Yes, it's the truth. The whole truth and nothing but the truth. Principles of agape love, 1 Peter 3.8. Finally, be ye of one mind, having compassion one for the other. Love as brethren, be pitiful, be pitiful, be courteous. Yeah, maybe 30 or 30 or whatever that, till we get back to Yeah. I think we'll finish it with First Peter 3 9, not rendering evil for evil, but rail, or railing for railing, but contrary wise blessing. Amen. Proverbs ten twelve. Love covers all sins. No wounded duck story. Oh yeah. I'm sorry. I'll explain this. I'll read it. I was watching some sort of nature video on the television when the host showed us a picture of a beautiful male duck with a big arrow stuck in his oh. neck. Okay. Mm-hmm. The duck was in the lake of a golf course, and it took quite a t- amount of time for them to capture it. When they did, they took it to a veterinarian, and he removed the arrow. After a time of healing, they took the duck back to the lake in a box and released it. The duck flew low over the pond until one more duck flew up and joined the male. Guess who that was? The female. This is duck. I do not know how she recognized her male partner, but she did, and the two of them flew away. Now, do you think that she said to him, where have you been? Have you been out with another female duck? (laughs) No, I don't think so. She was just happy to see that he returned and was healthy. That's called the guppy one. Mm -hmm. And I think a better example you can't, Ducks can't talk, but they, they can know something. They know the other thing. That's and right. trust in them. When he shows up, we're going to be one again. Mm-hmm. Ducks, thank you. Uh, duck, excuse me. Uh, Galatians five twenty two through 23, 6, 1 through 2. For the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance, Okay, Galatians 6, 1 through 2. If a man be overtaken in a fault, restore such as one in the spirit of meekness, considering thyself, lest, that, lest you be tempted. Bear one another's burdens, so fulfill the law of Christ. That makes sense to you. Mm-hmm. I'm do this. Proverbs thirty one twenty six. She opened up her mouth with wisdom, and in her tongue is the law of the ki- law of kindness. Mm-hmm. We're getting close, baby. The principle is no spots, no spots. No. Song of Solomon four seven, Thou art fair, my love. There is no spot in thee. Oh, my God. <laughs> I know. Isn't that beautiful? Think of how many times we violate that. 
So many times, yes, I agree. I know. It hurts, doesn't it? Yeah. When you see the truth, it hits you in the head. You dummy, listen to me, I'm a doubt. Okay. Okay. Uh, my advice, constantly find ways to touch. you agree with that? Yep. Now, we're going to cover the subject, and I'm going to do it as, as, as well, as properly as I can. Intimacy, 1 Corinthians 7, 4, 7, 4. The wife hath not power over her own body, but the husband. And likewise, also the husband hath not power of his own body, but the wife. Oh, boy. I don't know if to resist that little chain. Defrauding your spouse, 1 Corinthians 7, 5. Defraud ye not one the other, except it be with consent for a time that ye may give yourselves to fasting and prayer and to come together again, that Satan tempt you not for your inconsistency. Well, this is quite, this, this the scriptures do a better job of answering this than I will. Right. No restrictions on intimacy. Hebrew thirteen four. marriage is honorable in all and the bed undefiled. You understand what he's saying. Mm-hmm. There's no headaches in marriage. Now, if your wife has a headache, she should say that. Right. But she can't use that as an excuse. Uh-huh. Your body belongs to me. My body belongs to you. Make me and mold me. Right. I'm sorry. That is probably the... This, that probably is more common to married couples... I mm-hmm. Song of Solomon seven six. How fair and how pleasant that art thou, O love for delights. Oh my God. <laughs> Where's the tombstone story? And the tombstone Arizona story. Queen Victoria. Okay, I'm gonna I'm, I'm make to hold it up. I will not read this. Only you read me. Okay. I would like to discuss what I call the tombstone trouble. During the 1880s, civilization was living under the Victorian ethic. If you don't know what that is, where do you see the damage this woman did? Yeah. Named after Queen Victoria of England from 1837 to 1901, she taught the woman of the world the Victorian ethic. The women of the world. She taught classy women should not have a life of intimacy with their husband because nice girls do not do this. Do you understand? She's destroyed marriage for 60 years. Yeah. This ethic showed up in Tombstone, Arizona during the days of the OK Corral. Tombstone was a major source of silver and it had to be mined by strong men in a filthy environment. The city of Tombstone had hundreds of saloons and only a few churches. The city provides uh, little acts of their citizens on what it was like to live in Tombstone. You know, these are these are people acting out in skits, and you pay a dollar and watch for an hour. Right. So this, is, this is one of those that I saw 
And I said, this is an example if I used it. Uh-huh. One such act was this. A rugged, dirty man comes off ship and seeks a drink before he goes home for the night. He is greeted with bar girls who are dressed in sexy clothes and feminine feathers and high heels and lacy stockings. In other words, the exact opposite of Queen Victoria. Why? Yeah. There was a need in that town. Mm-hmm. And the church probably didn't help. Nope. Many of these women were actually prostitutes who knew about the Victorian ethic. This particular scene showed the man walk into the saloon and he was surrounded by these sexy females. <laughs> Guess what? <laughs> Suddenly, his wife came running down the street, dressed in a loose-fitting dress made out of flour sack. She was wearing boots, and her hair was up in rollers, and she had a long rolling pin in one hand. <laughs> so she's not only that, but she uh, read, yeah. read on. Uh-huh. She ran into the saloon and forced herself through the sexy women grabbed her husband by his ear and pulled him out of the saloon and the, and ran the two of them up the street. Thank you, Queen Victoria. You understand mm-hmm. that woman was living the Victorian ethic. Right. And he found something missing in his life. Mm-hmm. I hate to say it, it was available to him. And right. that was the fault of the church. Uh-huh. Conclusion, God created marriage to please his creation. Four more pages. God wants us to to have a happy marriage. Summary, to the man, make her a queen, and she will make you a king. Summary to the woman. Make him a king and he will make you a queen. I would recommend that you find a fundamental Christian church, a Christian church, and that you too attend, regularly attend. That's important. If there is a righteousness in the heart, there will be beauty Wait, in I'm the sorry. character. I, I, I thought well, I, I dropped it because I thought there was a scripture. I don't know if it's. I don't know. I just pulled it out. Okay. If there's, righteousness, if there's righteousness in the heart, there will be beauty in the character. If there's beauty in the character, there's harmony in the home. If there's harmony in the home, there will be order in the nation. When there is order in the nation, there will be peace in the world. My goodness, that's fantastic. It goes all the way back to the marriage. Yeah. The reason we're fighting each other is because we don't understand love. Right. My goodness. Ruth chapter 1, verse 6. And Ruth said, Entreat me not to leave thee, or to return from following after thee. For whither thou goest, I will go, and where thou Lodgest I will lodge. Thy people shall be my people, and thy God my God. Well, I don't want to go to Kansas City. I got a promotion, honey. We can... No, no, I don't, I don't like it. Okay. 
And the last one. I would recommend that the first of each month, you two sit down and read these pages together again. Now, now, MD, PhD? MD, PhD. Yeah. Okay. Dr. Ralphie had the occasion at the University of Arizona. What, what university? University of Arby's. <laughs> Arby's, yeah. Okay, now, so uh, my friend Jim said, uh, he introduced me to, he was a young Mex- Mexican-American, uh, Juan. Hi, Juan, how are you? Hey, listen, I'm going to get married, so oh, really, very nice. Uh, would you be interested in talking about marriage and what it's for? Yeah, sure. Well, bring your wife, all his future bride. He was a PhD. Well, he was going to get his PhD. He uh-huh. was still in school. So he got his PhD. She was already an MD. Oh, wow. Practicing in the hospital. So these guys are smart. Well, please forgive me. I think, as I want to tell you, I sat them down. And in a condensed form of this, I explained to them what God's purpose in the marriage. Mm-hmm. I lost, she She lived in Denver, so she got through her school or wherever it was. So she moved up there and they got married in Denver. So I wasn't invited because I'm just an oddball. Right. Six months later, my friend called me and introduced me to this, this couple and said, marriage is called and said, tell Ralph it works. Wow. It works. And I can't thank him enough. Man, oh man. Praise the Lord. That's powerful. That is neat, Ralph. I told you one. I don't know how many others applied it. Uh-huh. But she said it works and we're doing it. Wow. So I told him, I said, next time you talk, tell them. I, I'm overwhelmed with, with love for the both of you. God bless oh, That's beautiful. What do you think of that? I think that's wonderful, Ralph. I think this whole lesson has been wonderful. Isn't that something that churches shouldn't do? Okay, let me tell you. Uh, I'm going to show you a picture. Once again, I've got it tied to something, but that's not it. I showed you the picture of my marriage. Right. This picture was taken in 1992, mm-hmm. 12 years after our divorce. Right. Mary Rafi never really, we were friends, and that's all that it was in my heart. I didn't love her anymore. It was gone. Right. She, I think, suddenly, 12 years later, changed her mind. Oh. <laughs> Handsome couple. She is 51 years old. In that picture? Yes. Wow, she looks like she's in her 30s. And look at the old man. She's. Oh, yeah. Tom Selleck. (laughs) You covered it well. Now, let me show you something good. Yeah. (laughs) Quack, quack. Okay. What is that saying? We're not two. 
you're one. Uh-huh. Exactly. That's a reminder to me. Uh-huh. Oh, Ralph. That's why I can't wait. Yeah, I don't blame you. 51 years old. Who can? Wow. Okay. Hang on, I got some. I have that over on the side of my desk, and I just look over there. And, well, we just about, back there, just about did two, two, two an hour. Yeah, we did, huh? It's two o'clock. Uh, three or four o'clock. Yeah, it is. Uh, Ralph, this has been enjoyable. You know, a little, a little tearful, enjoyable, uh, wonderful scriptures that kind of. There's an awful lot of truth in there, wasn't there? Yeah, I agree. I expect God to do never sleep. Yeah. Move your camera down just a little bit, Ralph. I got you from the nose up. There you go. Perfect. So anyway, I must yeah. be, my camera's loose. It's, it's oh, it's, it's perfect now, though. That's all that matters. Yeah. You clearly see now more so than ever that I'm really Tom Selleck. Yeah, of course. Every time I, I lie, I get a cramp in my leg. <laughs> Boy, are you cramped up now? <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's funny. We kid around like this all the time, folks. It's, we have a, Let's we, end with that last thought. We both. Look at that at four o'clock. I don't answer that phone. Oh, that's my customer call. It'll ring three more times. Okay. That's two, two more. I don't want to answer. He'll probably say something. This guy owes me money, and he agreed to pay yesterday and agreed to some conditions for future payment. And so suddenly I get a little money coming in. Uh-huh. There's a possibility we might say something. If he does, I'll keep speaking so you don't hear what he says. Okay. Because he's a, he's a customer. Uh-huh. So there he is. I'll cover, cover what he's saying. I can hear him. You can't hear me. So I'm telling you, he's asking me to call him back or something. Right. Okay. Okay. I'll just okay. I'll just keep talking so that we don't hear him. And Thank you very much. Yeah, no problem. Well, so. I think forgive me for that. This first of all, this message is very moving to me because mm-hmm. I was never taught this. Until 1976 or 73. Right. I built Dr. Chairman. I sat there and said, My God, why hadn't someone told me this? Mm-hmm. I yeah. was a lukewarm Catholic. It's always, oh, don't forget to tie the tip, feed the basket, and show right. up and go to communion and get the whole stove and pound your chest and, uh, and go around every Sunday, go to know this. Mm-hmm. Sherry and I went through the, the separation of 1973. Ralph, we're still on the air. Is that okay? Well, you can okay. I can finish with that. Okay. That, we're back to this. this is, I'm telling you what happened. Okay. That's what's going to happen. Mm-hmm. Okay. So we went through separation. And Sherry joined a church down in her town because the pastor who was working his way at a college. She was in the library working at a desk, I guess, to tell you where the books are. So right. he started talking to her, and she became a Christian. Mm-hmm. 
And when we got back together then, we went to the church she was going to in that city. And that city pastor said this. Mm-hmm. We could not be remarried in his church until we spent hours in videos learning this. Wow. Many much of the stuff. That's good. And why is this not taught in every church in this country? I don't know the answer Save to that. The women's livers would let them destroy our marriage. We're destroying our family, and we're going to church with the church. And don't forget your tithe. Mm-hmm. And just get prosperous, and boy, you do is bless me, and tomorrow morning you'll be rewarded. And right. And now it's getting even worse with the lesbians and the homosexuals and and everything else, you know, wanting to wanting to change the church. And a lot of churches are changing to accept them. Well, I, I believe that this is our guidestone. Mm-hmm. I agree. That's where this is all coming from. Mm-hmm. Simple little book published in 1848 has reached millions of people. Yeah. Killed multiplied millions of people. Right. And Bernie Sanders is, is that his name? He's yeah. still in favor of it. Mm-hmm. He's running around screaming, boy, we got to get rid of Trump. Trump, now, okay, that's enough. Maybe that's another issue. Yeah, I that's would another discussion. very much to sometimes get into this. Okay, next time? Yeah. Okay, that sounds really good. Because there's something going on in, inside the uh, uh, Disney, uh, yeah, Disney Empire. Yeah, uh, I agree. I know what it is, and we'll see. If we'll just share it. You can share with me as well. Let's talk about what the Disney problem is and, and why they're doing what they're doing. Oh, that'd be fantastic. Well, we can have some fun with that. It's not okay. very long, but I. Uh, uh, well, it could branch off into other things too, Ralph. Yeah, I'll work on that. You know. It's, I'll tell you one quick story. Uh, some friends of mine in Long Beach uh, had twins, and they were both got master's degrees, and they were looking for a university to go to. And the, the one twin wanted to go to the UMA. So I said, I would urge you to do something. She other two, she had two choices, where some, you know, small college, St. St. Xavier in Ohio. I said, I would suggest you do this because Arizona now is a major university. We're not anything special, but we're, we have a basketball team. If you know our basketball team, they're good. And the women's got a basketball team, and they're good. And the baseball team, was, so go there. And when you go to compete against the guy going to St. Mary's, uh, the church of the uh, uh, saved, now you're going to get the job because they, they know the U.S.A. So right. she, and we talked together, and we became friends. Only casually, we'd go to dinner once in a while, go to, go to the zoo together, go out to the museum, we'd get, go to ride down Mexico, wherever it was. So mm-hmm. once a month or so, we got together. And she changed a little bit. And I'll tell you what changed her next week when we do that. Because okay. I found out what it was. She told me what it was. Oh, wow. Okay. I can't wait. It changed her. Okay. okay, so that's it. All right, Ralph. And I can't, once again, David, I can't, well, we didn't say this together. We are two brothers of different mothers. Now, that's right. you make a comment, 
you want to talk about that? There's something about that I we both match up with some numbers. <laughs> you put it in an email. Yeah, that's that's not applicable to our conversation. Today. Okay, very good. That's fine. Let's keep it alone. Okay, okay. Let's, let's end with this then. Let's say thank you once again, and I'll do. Oh yeah, I, please let me do this. Sure. These are my copies. The unseen hand, okay. And the New World Order, both books I've read, and they're very, very good. Very defining. Masonry, Conspiracy Against Christianity. This, by Ralph Epperson. This book has never been written in 6,000 years until this book came out in 1997. Mm-hmm. That is still, I don't know why. And the truth is the truth, Ralph. Jesse James, United States Senator. Uh-huh. That man lived to be 103, was called the wealthiest man in the world by his peers, was called one of 100 who owned America, mm-hmm. one of 100 of who, I forgot the third one, in other words, one of 100 or something else. And it was Jesse James living under Elias. Wow. And that story should be on every TV screen because this guy right there, that's William Andrews Clark. He was a major, major, major player in this nation for something like 60 years. Wow. Okay, that's it. Okay, man. Thank you, Ralph. Thank you, audience. Uh, We'll be back next week with uh, talking about Disney. And some other things that will come up, I'm sure. Uh, Ralph is, man, a godsend. That's all I can say. And, Ralph, we just pray till next week. The Lord bless you and give you the desires of your heart. And just keep you safe and, um, and all the other things that he has for you. Amen. God bless you, too. Amen. Okay. Until next week. Thank you very much. Until next week. Thank you, Ralph.